Blog Talk Radio. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight, and this is part two of Let's, Let's Free Daryl Wiggins. Let's free Daryl Wiggins. We uh, uh, had a show last Tuesday, that part one of that show, although um, although he, uh, well, he hasn't been on with us, but his wife has. And, you know, we've talked a lot about um, his case there in Oklahoma, uh, where he has been um, in prison for, goodness, 33 years now, I believe it is, um, since he was young. Um, and uh, and he was overcharged, and he will never admit that he actually killed somebody, but he does have a great deal of grief over his uh, participation in what he did do and absolutely admits that he deserved to be punished and uh, and uh, and <sighs> Probably the saddest thing is that prison probably did the best thing, was the best thing for him to happen because as a result, he, um, you know, not for 33 years, don't get me wrong, but you can't go backwards, right? You can only go forwards. And um, since he's been there, he's, you know, found his faith. He has... You know, he's studied. He has been an incredible mentor to others that are, have been out for some time now. He went, he, young men come into prison. He he teaches them how to, you know, stay in their zone and, and if they're willing to listen, you know, so that they don't uh, commit other crimes, you know, helps keep recidivism rates down for them. And it's not because uh, there's a rehabilitation program going on there, but it's because of someone like him that uh, says, "Hey, hey, 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 you don't want this to happen to you. You, you know, you you want to get yourself back out there." And so he kind of grew up in prison. Uh, he wasn't exactly a model uh, citizen prior to entering into prison, but he was a young man. He was he was 20 years old when he went to prison. He was um, arrested in, I think it was 1983. I'm looking for my notes for that. Uh, he was arrested and uh, and and uh, put and put in there, and and he's been uh, 
really not a troublemaker. Instead, he diffuses the problems. He does his best to help diffuse the problems. You know, he can't wave a magic wand. Otherwise, his problem would be gone, right? Um, he, he mourns over the loss of the man that died uh, that he is aware of and that he saw and even drove, uh, but he did not kill this man. And so we just have to pray to God that, that that you don't have to admit guilt to something that you didn't do in order for the pardon and parole board to show grace, look at the facts, look at all that, uh, look at the fact that he's got uh, job offers, he's got uh, waiting for him a wife, he's got a car uh, waiting for him, you know, a family, a home. And um, and so, in my opinion, getting to know his case over the last couple of years, in detail, um, in my opinion, and that it's only me, it's only me, but we seek to tell the truth here, right? We seek to tell the truth. And the records don't always show the truth. His packet shows the truth. It's going in front of the pardon and parole board. But it's kind of funny. No, it's not actually. There is no record, uh, so to speak, where, you know, of his records, the court records, the dockets, the, all that. There's, it's not there anymore. It's not there. And, you know, what, why is that? Because the man has never, he has never claimed guilt. He's always claimed innocence, yes. He deserves a charge, no doubt. But the ones that are actually responsible for the de- for this man's death, um, they've been out for some time now. Uh, so I know we've been talking a lot about We've been talking a lot about, um, you know, the Lawton Four, about you know, Daryl Wiggins and, uh, gosh, with Keith Brown, a young man who, you know, went to prison very young, a model, another model reason. Well, you know, he was young. He wasn't even an adult there for at least a decade or so longer than he should have been there. So we're talking a lot about reform, you know, and, and I think it's really important also that we don't just talk about reform, but we talk about ab- abiding by and af- enforcing uh, what is supposed to be what's called due process. And that's for when it isn't enforced. It's not because it's always not enforced, okay? Listen, we had a guy that got three guilty verdicts today, and in my opinion, okay, in my opinion, that's a huge, huge hooray. And in, in my opinion, the the guys that uh, the good cops that really look, watched after this and got the details of this of this trial and this verdict, that they are feeling good too, because we need to um, we need to stop this thing about the whole cop hating because they're not all bad. Okay. We need, we need to just pay attention to each case and each situation at a time. And that involves uh, training, better training, oversight. That involves the same for corrections officers and oversight. And that includes oversight of the wardens. That includes 
oversight. And and we need legitimate, good, transparent oversight, not just what the records show that get passed along that this was done and that was done, that one was done. We And, and that's another talk. But right now, we have a man who is Daryl Wiggins, who is humbled. He's still humbled uh, uh, for this process that it is taking place. And he, and he just wants to come out and get to know his family again, be a good citizen, and volunteer, have a job, love his wife. And tonight we have with us his sister, Karen Smalls. So we have a few others that are come back on and come on as well. But right now, just hang out and wait in the wings, you guys. I want to kind of introduce Karen Smalls. Smalls and I want her to talk for a little bit. Um, so, Karen, please introduce yourself. Let us know about you so that the audience can, um, you know, our listeners can, uh, you know, paint this picture in their mind of you. Because <laughs> I've seen your picture and you're okay. beautiful. And hopefully they've seen your picture, too, in the promo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hopefully everyone can hear me. Um, good afternoon. I'm sitting here. Um, just elated from watching the events that transpired today in the Chauvin um, and the George Floyd case. And so there is hope. Um, I start by introducing myself. I'm a military veteran. Um, I served 23 years in the military, um, having deployed to Iraq. So I am a um, combat veteran three times over. Um, And I would do it all again for my country. Um, I have a master's in counseling. I'm a mother of one daughter, and I have a grandson um, who I really wish would move closer to me, but it is what it is. (laughs) Um, I am the oldest. (laughs) Yeah, I I am the oldest daughter. There's um, two boys and two girls. Daryl and I are the middle children. So I have an older brother, and I have a younger sister. Um, So it's us four. Um, growing okay. up, um, my mom, she was a single parent. Um, first, let me let me backtrack. I like to, if there's any listeners out there that are, um, are family members or loved ones or friends of the man that lost his life during this tragic event, I would like to personally say on behalf of Daryl and in Daryl's absence that he is remorseful. We're sorry. We don't negate the fact that your loved one lost his life. Okay, let me be clear with that. There is no compromise there. There's thoughtfulness. You know, his life mattered too. Um, Mm -hmm. So my mom, she was a single parent. She did what she, you know, she, we never went hungry. We, um, she, she reared us up to respect our elders, treat people the way you wanted to be treated. She did all that. She did everything that she thought was right. Um, bad decisions. Um, there were some, you know, in in the in, in in our family. You know, every family has some type of dysfunction. You know, no family sure is perfect. Yep. So he, he, here we are. You know, um, a mom trying to raise um, boys um, into men. Okay, um, especially in the African American community. Okay, so you're in California, correct? 
we were born in California. The last three of us were born in California. Uh, we moved from California to Mississippi in 1978. In 1979, uh, my uncle, who used to live in Oklahoma City, who is now deceased, came to Mississippi, wanted to be a factor in our lives. My mom was still a single parent, and we moved to Oklahoma City. At that, when we moved from from California, Daryl was I was twelve, so he was ten. We're all ten, two years apart, all of us. We're all two years apart. It's easy to remember. He was the Fourth of July baby, <laughs> um, born on the Fourth of July, the firecracker. <laughs> That's what we call it. Huh? Yeah, we teased him. We teased him, um, but uh, a loving kid. So, in his paperwork, now let me let me just say this. When this happened, when these events happened, I was on my way to Europe. I was still growing my growing up myself, trying to find myself, who I was. I attended Jackson State University in Mississippi for three and a half years. My grandmother passed, so I found it I found it hard to just stay there because I wanted to be there because I was close to my grandmother. We had a real close relationship after moving from California to Mississippi. That's where my mom is from. And so um, I came back to Oklahoma City and decided, well, I didn't want to be in Oklahoma. You know, we had only been there for three years, three or four, by then then, probably about five or six years. But like I said, I had gone off to college. And um, when this happened with Daryl, my my memory is um, after having gone to work, so many times my memory if my memory serves me correctly I was just coming in the military so Daryl had to be 20 years old so you think at 20 years old if you have any kind of psychological studies at all your brain is not developed fully Mm -hmm. so you think about that at the age of 20 and the decisions that was made that day during, I'm, I'm, I'm not rationalizing failure for what happened that day. I'm just right. saying that there were a lot of things to take into account had, had he been given a fair trial, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we've never said that Daryl didn't deserve time. Never, never has anyone said that. For me, including himself. Person, yes. And for me, been the one to try to, they call me Miss. Miss can't do no wrong. I've done wrong, you know. Some some of us have done wrong. We just haven't got caught with certain things. Whether right. I think we've all done wrong somehow. Case. Just haven't gotten caught. Yes. It depends on what yes. it is, so, and but, if and if right, you're caught, right. and you, you know. Exactly. So, um, Daryl has never said that, and I was always the one to say. Well, if you do the crime, do the time. I was always the disciplinarian person. Even as an adult, I've been that way. The military Mm -hmm. wasn't perfect for me because there's orders. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a person of order. Um, Discipline and order. Mm -hmm. Yes, discipline and order. I'm that type of personality. But we have never said that Daryl didn't deserve time. And me being a person that I've been, like I said, that was me. I have recently started, you know, he's always kept in contact with me, you know, even when I was downrange, we call Iraq or Afghanistan being downrange, he would write me and encourage me and try to tell me, you know, just keep the faith, hold on, everything's going to be 
okay, even from behind and that's why prison he's in prison. walls. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, he's been there all his adult life, his entire adult life. He has been there. Um, and just reading his case, I feel so bad now. I feel so convicted because I never took time to dig, peel back the onion on his case. And I've been mm-hmm. so sorrowful these last couple of years listening to his pleas and reading his transcripts and everything that it's awful. It is yeah, awful it, that he was charged with this crime and have spent this much time behind prison walls based on, I don't want to say too much about the case, but based on the findings that he was a driver. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. People have, I mean, it's, 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 it, it just it just does not make sense. I mean, yes, he did. He was a participant, right? But I however, mean, he, he, he Chauvin can wind up doing less time than what your brother's already done. Yes, and 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 yes. and, and he certainly didn't have his knee on somebody's neck causing him to die. You know what I'm saying? He did not. It's, right. Right, was, and and so was, you look at things in perspective, you know, and that's not even taken into account. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, and we exactly. know that, yeah. I, and it's just we have a problem there, I'm, and and yes. so we, yeah, I mean, we I've can't gone, change the world in, in this in this whole thing, but we do want to impress upon why he deserves, like you said, here you're going, and we want you to keep going. Why he deserves to be commutated to to uh, get parole. Yes. Yes. So this is his his eighth time going up for parole, which um, I'm not sure if it's the eighth or the seventh. It's my understanding it's the seventh because I had written eight, and then I was told by his wife it's his seventh. Okay, his seventh time still. Whatever it is, seventh or eighth, that's a lot. (laughs) I just want to be, yeah. seventh, Seventh would be good because that's the number of completion. So that would be good. You know, it would be good. Yeah, so uh, we'll go with that. But um, to go up for parole seven times, um, you know, and have spent 30, 30, almost 34 years behind prison walls for what they found him um, guilty of, that's, that's, that's a bit much. He's had um, some, some uh, medical issues, uh, major medical issues, but he continues to – motivate people inside prison walls his language is different his verbiage is different his um he's a different person you know he is a different person yes his uh, i mean and you can tell he used to always say you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying no i don't know what you're saying i need you to explain to me you know so he's very (laughs) he's very um Smart. He was smart before, even prior to him going in there, he was book smart, you know. And that's probably um, why you're, one of the reasons you're so upset, because you can do so much better, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. What are you doing with your yes. life? It angered yeah. me. Yes, angered me. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm a, I was in the PhD program, but I looked at that syllabus and I was like, no. So we're all smart, <laughs> you know, and we can all, 
you know, look back and say I should have, would have, could have. Um, could I have done better with even with my life now? Yes. There's some decisions that I could have made better. Hell, I've been married three different times, you know, and and it is what it is. Yeah. You know, we, we need to talk. Don't make it <laughs> Um, it's another so show. I, I, yes, I get that. Or um, a private conversation. I work at a <laughs> yes. I work at a, a domestic. I work at a domestic violence um, center. I'm I'm the director of residential services at a domestic violence center. So I see cases. You know, we we do uh, court accompaniment with our victims and all that. And some people get less mm-hmm. off, get a less charge for almost putting out someone's eye, you know, physically. Yeah. He physically didn't touch anyone. He didn't touch anyone. Right. Court records show that he never touched this man, Mr. Wallace. Right. You know, I won't say this man because he, he was someone's son. He was someone's brother. Right. I will always respect his family. Um, right. So, like right. I said, I was I was never afforded to be at the trial or anything like that because I was um, pursuing my military career in which I – made it up to the ranks. Um, I retired a first sergeant. Um, and I, I okay. wanted to make my mom, my whole thing after Daryl went to prison was to make my mom happy. You know, I always catered mm-hmm. to my mom because it broke her heart. And I just, for the first time, found something online where a quote that she had said about the trial, I had never seen it before. It's been a really rough couple of weeks for me these last couple of weeks I've been convicted like I said about Daryl's case and him coming up for parole been um, fasting yeah. and praying um, and so my mom I always wanted to make her happy because that was her baby son and she wanted the best for all of us my mom was educated woman as well she was going to school to get her degree in sociology um, she did you know she wanted the best for us she did and so, so what was the when quote? he went to and the quote was, um, watch, I don't have it here. Oh, she says that I know in my heart that if Daryl could have made a different decision that day, he would have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So that just really, my mom believed in him. My mom, you know, and not just because he was her son. Um, my mom She knew him. Died. She knew him. Yeah, yes. his heart. So she she pretty much died from grieving, and um, she had some health problems, but a lot of it was the grief um, of Daryl being in prison for so long. She just passed in 2007. We weren't allowed to see him um, when he came to the funeral or anything like that. He had to come by himself. We could not even be there. So um, it is what it is, but... I'm hoping and praying that the parole board, I've written my letter. I've um, asked other family members to write in um, to the uh, parole board, and I'm just praying that Daryl will get to come home to his wife, Leslie, and, you know, just live and be a productive citizen. You know, I I consider myself, I I do work for a nonprofit organization, and for me, I'm grateful every day to give back, um, to give back to the community. We were always taught to to give back. My mom, she would feed anybody that came by her house. First thing she asked you, you want something to eat? You know, 
and that's how she taught mm-hmm. us to be um, loving and compassionate people. And um, just reading Daryl's transcript, um, he was compassionate that day, but there were some things that happened that strikes up like there was fear in him as well. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. I won't go into that. Um, we're going to pray and hopefully the parole board can decide in his favor. Um, I just ask, you know, I hope that God lays it upon their hearts and look at how long he's been there. Look at the facts of his case. Um, you know, from the paramedics getting there, doing nothing to, Oh, I know. You know it's, it's, I, I know. That's like, you, it's a, when it's somebody, a lot. I mean, it's a, it is a in lot. The military, it is a lot. It, when I was in Germany, when I was in Germany, if you rolled up on the car accident and you failed to render aid, you could be arrested for that. Mm-hmm. I know that's Germany, but when you, but that, when but that's you are not a bad thing. EMS, you figure it out later. And even if that means, yes, you know, I, 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 Obviously, it seems like it was. It seems like it was a crime scene because somebody had bound up this guy, right? You know, but but yes. but you, you you try to save his life. Number one, exactly. You just try so to save you're his telling life. Me that if you, 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 you know, if you saw you, a kid, yeah. If you saw a kid locked in the car, you're not gonna break, break the window and try to get them out. Right. People when have was, broken car windows. People have broken car windows to save dogs. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad, bad, bad call. But we're not going after the fire department. We're not going after the court. We're not going after the, the you know, no, the, we're not going after anybody home. really. But it's but it's good to bring these things up because it, it, it's a part of all of the considerations one would believe. You know, um, right? I mean, his lawyer, his, his his own public defender, he didn't even call one witness on Daryl's behalf. Not one. Not, Not one. one. And Daryl wanted him to. And, you know, yes. you're, you're 20 years old. You're afraid that you're going to get the, you know, you're, you know, you're being feared into, you know, into just, just, I, I, I trust me, I know it's what I'm doing. Whatever. Kind you're of associated. Yeah. They were associating him with the crip because of where he was from. I mean, since I've been right. in the military, as soon as I give someone my the first part of my social five five eight, oh, you're from California. Look at you. What you know? I dealt with that just by being, yeah. you know, just by saying I'm from California. You know, I was born in California. I'm not from there. I'm from everywhere right. now. <laughs> but well, and, and nobody should it. assume that you are a certain person because person. you're that's where you're from, the color exactly. of your skin, your socio, nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I do want to make a correction uh, before I forget it, and and you'll you keep talking because I, I love where this is. I just love the fact that we are that um, we just for our listeners' sake, um, you know, Karen and I messaged back and forth, but she's so darn busy and I'm so darn busy. We really didn't <laughs> yes. talk, but we did fine with our messenger. But it's great to hear your voice, by the way, and you know, connect the voice to your Thank you know. You. But um but yes. I aired when I had said last week, um last Tuesday, uh, that they were asking him to uh to uh admit guilt for a plea deal. That was my fault. I got that mixed up with one of the Lawton Four 
uh, men. So I okay. need to redact that, and you know, because that was mm-hmm. just my bad, and and I don't want mm-hmm. anything you know that we put out there to be an error. I don't want to discredit uh, right. the, the validity mm-hmm. and the veracity of of what is going on here, and um, and the, that, there's no storytelling here as far as that goes. It's all it's all nonfiction. <laughs> so this right. is very very real and. This is a man right. that wants to love his family and uh, you know and and get on with his life and he can do he can do he does he's done great things while he's been in there, you know and yes, just, he, um, you know he got, there's yes. just had a quadruple bypass and and you know for crying yes, out loud he, he his, really he should have been released. His, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Go he ahead. Did, he should have been released been on that. Yes, yeah, since he's been there, um, when Daryl, let me let me say a little bit about this. When Daryl first first went to um, prison, he he was twenty years old. He he was, he was twenty years old, so he his frontal lobe of, of his brain wasn't fully developed. So of course he was angry. He was angry at the charges. He was angry that he had put himself in this position. He was angry that he failed his family. So. He turned his anger, his bitterness, um, into um, a positive. Um, not be bit to not be bitter, but get better. And that's what I would tell him: don't get bitter, get better. So think about how you're going to do that. He finished his GED. He took anger management classes, the ones that were offered. Um, he's read several books. He's gotten closer to his faith with his spirituality, um, his higher um beliefs. Um so he has worked on himself. Um Daryl was, you know, he was the one in the family that would um he would t- he would try you, you know, but we would tell him, You're still the baby. We're in charge. You know, he would try to be in charge and try <laughs> to be try to try to handle us, you know, like he was the man of the house. No, you're not the man of the house. And we would stay up and watch scary movies and he would try to we would uh, stay up and try to see who was going to stay up the longest, and he would always win, you know. <laughs> but um, he has good memory. He has, yes, he has done the work as much as afforded. There's not a lot of um, reform in prison. There's just not. You know, you're going to get what they offer, and that's all you're going to get. I mean, so you figure 34, 33, 34 years. How much can can you get? It's sort of like me going to a marksmanship, a marksmanship training. Okay, I know about trigger squeeze. I know about breathing. I know about prize by the round. For 23 years, I can teach that myself. So you figure he's been in there for 33, 34 years. Not saying that you can't learn something new every day, but come on. Right, right, right. Well, exactly, exactly. It's like we could use him out here. Yes. We could use him out here. You yes. know, yeah, you want to yes. yeah, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to contribute. Yes. He wants yes. to be right? He wants to be a productive member of society and, and he was so young when, you know, there was hope for him and you know, and then his your uncle your uncle died and he was working yes. with your uncle, I believe, right? Yes. And and he was like yes. He mm-hmm. was he was gonna be kind of like the man of the family and grounding everybody. Yes. My and, uncle was a my uncle was a professional photographer in Oklahoma City, very well known. Um, I think he died my senior year in high school because I, I'm 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 pretty sure it was close because 
I always dreamed of him taking my senior pictures. And that hurt me to the core that he he did not live to see me graduate. Um, but prior to that. And that was a violent death Darryl, too, wasn't it? Yes, yes. He would take Daryl and my oldest brother to these events. My mom would work at his, his um, photography shop, um, Daryl 23rd. My mom would, I mean, my uncle would take them and show them how to make honest money. You know, they would set up for him, set up the lights and set, bring in the chairs and all the props. And, you know, he was teaching them to be men, you know, because like I said, my mom was a single, single mom. Um, And so Daryl knew how to um, make money, you know, honest money. And he still does. He still does. Um, So. I know, you know, if he got out, that he would definitely um, be a, a a different person in society. I know within my heart that he would he would do well. Um, mm-hmm. I can see him mentoring um, young men, you know, young men traveling down the wrong path. I can see him being a spokesperson. I can see him taking, you know, little guys on fishing trips and talking to them, showing them how to mow the yard, you know, because he did all that. He he used to do that. We had chores, you know, cutting the grass, um, taking, you know, how to just uh, being a man around the house, you know. He, he right. knows how to do those things, you know. Yeah. 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 So, uh, gosh. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard the show um, last Tuesday, if you listened to it. I, I, I mean, what led you to me? I didn't even ask you this. So I got a the link to the guy that was on the show. The, I got a link to the show last week. And I, like I said, I was so, it was I think it was two weeks ago. And I was like, okay. who's talking about my brother? And I was like, who could better talk about my brother than me? You know, <laughs> my brother didn't mean, you know, of course, um, people inside, you know, know him because they see him on a regular basis now. But right. I know the core of him. I know who the yeah. core, the, the core of Daryl Wiggins. I know that person, you know. Um, and, and you know what you guys went through and you. how you grew he up. He would always help you. He would always, he would always try to help you, you know. Um, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's how we were raised, you know. And mm-hmm. um, if there was an intent to hurt this guy in a manner of the manner in which he died, I don't think it would have been by, you know, they said it was a heat stroke. I just think it would yeah, have yeah, been they more if, I, if, yeah. if there was an so, Well, there was, there was the initial uh, medical examiner report. Um, and then there was one that the prosecution got when they hired somebody else, um, calling it uh, heat stroke or something similar to that. But, yeah, when actually um, it wound up being, um, you know, something else, given the chemicals that was in this guy's body, I believe. And, you know, I don't want to speak right. factually on that, right. but that's my understanding. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it okay. does make you wonder because the guy was alive uh, when, like you said, the fire department came there. And, when he was and found, even if they said it was he heat stroke, then yes. you, you know. But yeah, he was, so you've he, got two he conflicting. Expired two hours later, 
he expired two hours later after being found. Did, it doesn't sound like the intent was there to, you know, for him to lose his life. Correct. And Correct. even based on what, based on the deceased man's girlfriend's testimony, she testified that there was no intent. Right. To, right. To, for his life to end that day. Right. So I'm no, I, yeah, you know, I'm, I, yeah. I just would like everyone to just look into it, look into how long he's been there, um, the things that he's done, he's been there, um, and how can, um, based on you know the parole to see, based on the evidence and uh, testimonies and all that. Um, yeah, but he has, has offered what he's offering to the pardon parole board on behalf of his of his release. He, you know, and that's the thing you want him to open it to begin with. <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, is Oscar uh, Marty? Is Ricky Oscar Williams on with us? Because uh, it sounds like you might have gotten it from Ricky Oscar Williams the link. So, Marty, are you there? I will message her because. Um, I know that Ricky said that he would, you know, call in again and be here. And then um, his wife, Leslie, she's not feeling well. She's going through some medical problems. So she said she would try. She's been on in the past quite a bit. And then we have one other uh, one other man. So I, let me see if I can get Marty's attention so we can kind of like roundtable it. But I also want to... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, the purpose of the, you know, pardon and parole board and, and you know, how uh, things are looking up for the pardon and parole board. They've got, um, you know, it's gotten an awful lot of attention because of Judge McCall, you know, and he's been called on to, um, to resign when, you know, because of his, you know, public statements uh, that he'll never, you know, let somebody that he'll never vote yay if somebody's been uh, committed a violent crime, especially if he's the one who's made the decision when he was a judge. Um, but, right. But and they would consider uh, they consider this obviously a a, a, um, a violent crime, even though you, you know, even though. So um, again, you know, we can't re-argue the case right now. We're not in the appeals court or anything like that. But the point is. Right. Everything you said about your brother. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely amazing. So, Marty, are you there? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me, Marty? So we can let anybody else on that is on. Marty, she might have stepped outside for a moment. She's our producer. Let me just mm-hmm. message her. Uh, Hello. Hello. Forgive me. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, yeah. my name is J.R. Washington, and I've been listening to this show. And um, I don't know Daryl Wiggins, but I do have an interest in people who have been incarcerated for a really long time who go up against the parole board. And this case is uh, pretty interesting because um, what I understand and what I'm hearing on this show is this man has served 33, 34 plus years in prison. And it's very common to find people who have served more than 25 years in prison 
to be more than just model offenders, but uh, clearly reformed. And um, I just kind of wanted to emphasize a little bit about the parole board from what I understand about it to encourage um, the family here and other listeners about the Oklahoma Partner Parole Board and the scope of what um, this docket may consist of coming up in the next two weeks. Um, from what I understand is, is that it's a violent offense, so that means that it would be a jacket review. And as we all know, and as you guys have just discussed about Judge McCall on the panel, that he doesn't seem to um, consider violent offenses too often for a vote of yes. But um, we have four other board members, and I believe that <clears throat> that um, that is very possible and it's a strong possibility, too, that um, they would actually hear this man, you know what I mean, hear his story. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that I want to encourage families right now, family and friends who support Daryl Wiggins, to not just send letters to the parole board, but as well as write the governor's office right now. And because Governor mm-hmm. Stitt, the Oklahoma governor, he, uh, he believes in second chances. And although there's a process um, that he – that he has to step aside from and let the parole board do his job. However, it would just illustrate, you know, that there's people that support Daryl Wiggins, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the the tone that sits in Oklahoma right now is that, you know, they don't like to see violent offenders um, progressing anything, you know? I mean, um, someone who commits a violent offense right now, it's, it's very hard, it's very hard to accept, but, to someone who's committed a violent offense 20, 30-plus years ago, um, Oklahoma has got aside from um, seeing the reform, seeing the rehabilitation and, and, and the efforts made. And like you mentioned earlier in the show is that, you know, the, the men in the system, they, they have very limited programs, you know, like you emphasize uh-huh. GED and thinking for a change. Uh-huh. And so... Down to the man, it really comes down to the man itself, you know, about how bad does he want it? How bad does he want to go home? And mm-hmm. like you emphasized about training, your military training, how you could teach it, you know, over and over and over. And he's mm-hmm. been in prison this, for, you know, three decades. And I mean, it's a part of who he is. And right. this is a guy, this is a guy that's not messing up. This is a guy who, um, who, who hasn't, uh, you know, who has respect, you know, and he hasn't given up. He's not he's not in and out of lockdowns and I mean, he's on the docket because he's being considered for parole and there's no blemishes in his record. I'm 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 certain I'm certain of. And well he, nothing for many, a, many years, it's my understanding. There might have been a couple of write ups, you know, little write ups in his earlier years. I remember him mentioning that. But it was nothing in the beginning, like yeah. I said, he was and he he was angry and had that young mentality like okay I got to be here so whatever is whatever but that changed you know over the years you know what can I do to better myself instead of being bitter and he's and he's helping other guys not be that person because he can put himself yes. in those shoes and say hey look I, I I know what you're feeling I was there trust me you know it's easy to make the heart. It's easy to take a heart um, right over a wrong left, you know. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right, and, right, or right, wrong. Yes. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you know, you're you're yeah. actually you're absolutely right. And I, I believe that you know most men and women here in Oklahoma, I think it's half and half who support um, loved ones who are incarcerated, who come up for parole purposes like this. And it's very fortunate, you know, that you know he has family and friends who support him. And but the reality that that you know, this family and the friends of Daryl Wiggins will have to face is that this board, um, if you've ever noticed uh, online, they have a folder in front of them, a book, and it's not that many pages in it, and Mm -hmm. they just go through and and they vote, vote, vote. So Mm -hmm. I think it's very imperative, I think it's very imperative to not only reach out to the board, but reach out to the governor's office because, again, He's our leader for Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. here it is. We're keeping this matter in prayer, and that's our action, stepping out in faith. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, it's just giving, it's giving it all we got in every, at every angle. And, again, this guy's did 30-plus years. It's time for him to come home. You know what I mean? And like you guys said earlier, you, you feel something. You feel that it's his time. And mm-hmm. with everything that's going on in the system with COVID, uh, you know, things that's happening in the nation. I mean, the spotlight mm-hmm. is on Oklahoma right now. And mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I, I encourage this. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great point. You know, whatever whatever you are sending to the pardon and parole board, send it to the governor as well. Most yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, it's, it, there's no wrongdoing in sending a letter or a document to the to the governor's office. Um, somebody's going to receive it. Somebody's going to open it and review it. And whether they respond mm-hmm. back or not, the fact of the matter is, it was sent to that office. You know. Right. And and, and yeah. I want to request also. I'm going to add one more layer to that because I've been collecting affidavits, um, you know, statements of truth, essentially. Uh, and of course, you know that's not what this is. But if anybody's, you know, who's doing that is comfortable with it, because I am putting together, you know, uh, different things to try to show uh, lawmakers just how much uh, in Oklahoma reform is needed. Not only in Oklahoma, we know that. But you know, you just you've got to start somewhere, and it happens to be Oklahoma to me, you know. And and as far as my focus goes, and and um, and I, the thing is, we could be having conversations and radio shows and all kinds of things twenty four seven, and there's unfortunately they would be full with these kinds of discussions. Yeah. And you know, what I look forward to is is, you know, having the, the success discussions. You know, we've had some successes, okay, so that's good. You know, but it's not okay unless reform doesn't take place. It's not about one case. So for that person, right. it's good, you know, but, but it's, about, it is, it's about enforcing current policy, and it's about reform. And I mentioned it last week. Uh, there's a book out. It's called Correcting Treatment. In corrections, it's by Rhonda Champagne and Michael Johnson, and they uh, and they got they went from a fifteen 
They went from 85% recidivism rate, recidivist, excuse me, tongue twisted today, to 15%. And it went to 15%. So, you know, and anybody who thinks that, you know, these programs, that they can't afford them, well, you can't not afford them. What exactly are you trying to do? You know, if you're not willing to do something that we can show that can work, and that's what Rhonda and Michael Johnson are, are, are working, they're trying to get this, you know, legislated, and they're from Montana, uh, you know, so that's what we need to press for those things. So, so you know, so it's before people are getting ready to be released, they go through this program. And you know, get them, to really get them ready, and and, and you know, you're in meditation, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're right. holding onto a rock, and you're, you're mm-hmm. feeling a rock, and you're doing all kinds of things that you know. You're talking about your real feelings. Yeah, they're now being referred to as their first names instead of a number, and they're you know, right. if, at the, it's like treat with respect, you get respect back. You start trusting. You start you know, and and this works. It works they prove that it works and so these are things that you know we need to start somewhere uh, you know you know they shut it down in in montana because it works too well you know but we need to find states that are willing to step up and to actually put this into place and find another way to make money you you know right exactly exactly yeah yeah um you know, so that's and and we just can't have these people behind bars. These men, these women, your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your father, your your sibling. You know, you just can't have that happen when they genuinely would warrant a re, a release. You know, in accordance to the mission, the vision, and the values of a pardon and parole board. And honestly, I do feel that they're in the right direction um, in, in Oklahoma with this pardon and parole board. Now they're getting there. Um, but this is, needs to be emphasized, and uh, the real numbers need to come out, and, and, and real problem solving, real problem solving. And, uh, and you know, I think, it, I think it starts with when they're, you know, when a young person is it was his first time behind bars. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Okay. So I went on my little rant. It says for Oklahoma, the mission, the pardon parole board, excuse me, serves the citizens of Oklahoma by making careful and informed decisions, focusing on public safety, offender accountability, and reentry and victims' rights. Um, I don't think we disagree with that, do we? Absolutely not. So, so, you know, so. I believe it's fair to. Go ahead. I believe it's fair to have, you know, that mission statement with the Pardon and Parole Board. It's fair because, you know, it brings everybody to the table here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody. Nobody wins and nobody loses in in none of this. You know what I mean? We all suffer in some way, and mm-hmm. but we transform. And circumstances have a way of defining who we are 
uh, molding and shaping us into who, you know, God desires us to become. And, you know, with the Partner Parole Board, you know, their their mission statement is basically they're directed to look at the people, the citizens of Oklahoma, to ensure public safety. Now, my thing mm-hmm. is another thing or another idea to point out here would be is that, you know, we could find board members who support these uh, these various uh, outreach programs that have been discussed in the Oklahoma uh, uh, news um, and, and just take a consensus, you know. Do they believe, do, do they believe since it's among the people that they have socialized with, do they believe that people should be given a second chance after 20, 30-plus years, you know? And this is just and possibly kind of before, <laughs> you know, depending yeah, on yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, but um, and we got we right got now, Ricky on with us too now, so I want to make sure that Ricky, uh, um, that you're introduced. So Ricky was on with us last week. He's been on a number of times. So Ricky, welcome on. Would you like to join the discussion with us, please? Ricky. Marty Messer. Oh good. Can you hear me? Hey hey Ricky. Oh. Sorry about that. Hello everyone. You weren't unmuted. Hello. Hello everyone. Hey. I first want to Ricky, say that I'm grateful that for now, everyone. I didn't hear you last. Go ahead. I'm just grateful for everyone's outpouring compassion and support. You know, because you. you know, people make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes aren't as bad as others make them out to be. They're still mistakes, errors. And sometimes you have to be accountable for your actions and responsible for your actions. And I'm just hoping that Daryl gets the opportunity because he's not the same man I met in 1990. A long ways from it, you know. And And you got to know him when you were in prison, when you went to prison. Yes, he's not the same can guy. You, can you describe that briefly to the listeners in case they didn't hear you last week? And listeners, we, um, there is the archive from last week's within the promo um, that that gave you this link. So you know, feel free to um, to jump on that another time if you didn't hear last week's uh, information. But uh, and 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 this what you're listening from right now if you're live streaming will be will be the um, link in several hours as well. Uh, will be the archive has to um, step through the system. So go go right ahead. Um, I mean, you when you and he met, how long had Daryl already been behind bars? I want to say he had just made it to prison. Okay. He had just made it to prison because we were having a banquet, and uh, he was really just concerned about food. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, he had a good meal, you know. And we had I sat next to him, and we had a conversation, and I realized that, you know, yeah, you know, all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But I think his burden might be a little bit heavier than what he deserved. Mm-hmm. And he grew. He helped people. He gave advice. He helped me, gave me advice. And he maintained his integrity. And he maintained his sense of 
honesty. He's never said that he didn't wasn't culpable in this in this situation here. But you know, I'll just go out on a limb because it's, it's it is what it is. He didn't get a guy to dope. He didn't beat the guy up. He didn't tie the guy up. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't touch. And the the people who did been out fifteen years or longer. The ones who actually set out to harm this man. That's that's a big deal. That's yes. that is the elephant in the room. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, and the what fact makes remains. Him... You know, the fact remains that you know he's had his struggles because being incarcerated within itself is a burden. Because you're away from your family, you know, then you got to deal with what goes on in there, which is a subject for a whole different show. But, oh, yeah. you know, As you he know, was a we positive have. person. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's actually nothing to laugh at. So, yeah, it's a subject for a different show. Mm-hmm. He was a positive person. If he could help somebody, he would. If somebody was messing up, he'd tell them stop or they're going to have problems. And he just became a better man, you know. And I think sometimes that we miss that point. You know, people go to prison, and then when they get out, they're better people. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be grateful for my little 32 years that I spent because I didn't like who I was before that, but that experience made me understand what's important in life and how people are important in life. You know, because Daryl's really a good guy, man. I mean, really. He's quiet. He don't deal with a lot of people. I mean, he's sociable, but he doesn't have a lot of friends. He has a lot of people he mentors, you know, people that he try to help and he speaks to. But he's not a, a group guy. And he's always been to himself and minded in his own business. And I just I, I, have you known really... Daryl to ever really go around asking for help, looking for people to do things for him? I mean, because it sounds to me like Daryl has come to other people trying to help them, you, you know. And and right now, you know, we're asking for help on behalf of Daryl, and he's asking the pardon and parole board for thoughtful, careful consideration. Yes. I've never known him to ask anyone for anything. In fact, that's his uh, calling card. He's not going to ask people for stuff. If he don't have it, he don't have it. He's going to be grateful for what God gave him, and he's just going to deal with it. So here we are now. What's it it like talking to a man that has, you know, has known, you know, Daryl, during some of the hardest times, kind of like you know, coming into coming into contact with him and being in the same prison for how long were you in the same prison? Uh, the last time it was like four years. Uh huh. 
because they get moved around. They get moved around. Everybody gets moved around mm-hmm. from one place to another every now and then. It was Correct? like mm-hmm. 21 years in between the first time I was around it and the second time. You actually made mm-hmm. such an impression on me that when I did make parole, one of the first things I did was to call his mother and let her know that he was thinking about her and we were praying for him and let her know that somebody else other than her family was concerned about Daryl and cared for Daryl. And that was an honor and a pleasure on my part. Because surviving prison is one thing. Surviving prison sane is a whole different ball game. Where you're, you have compassion instead of anger, where you have love instead of hate, where you have hope instead of despair. And a lot of people give in to the negativity, but he never did. He never wavered. He stayed true to himself. He stayed true to himself. And Sounds I'm like grateful you've got a good family. <laughs> You know, actually, I've come from a, I came from a a very good family. Um, Humble beginnings for myself. Um, uh, We we are all we have, um, just my siblings and I. um, I have aunts, but um, my other siblings live in Oklahoma Oklahoma City. Um, Because of my military career, I've gone all over the world and settled on the East Coast, but we've always been. a pretty close-knit family. Um, to hear him talk about Daryl is so surreal. It, it makes my heart happy to know that Daryl has been a model, and, and, and I don't even know how that word came about, but a model prisoner. You know, it just sounds crazy saying it, but it, 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 it makes my heart happy to know that um the young man even had contact and conversation with my mom because I have never been, a, I've never gotten a traffic ticket, let, let alone, you know, spent any time behind bars. But I can only imagine, you know, spending life or 33 years in a place where you feel like your only hope is to help others, and, and prayerfully one day you'll make your way out those doors, you know. Um, Daryl has always been a to-himself person um, and always tried to help. He, we're we're all about the same. We won't ask for anything. I know, I and that's one of my weak. I think that's a weakness. Is, well, that can be a weakness as well because you need to let people know when you're hurting. You need to let people know that you need um, prayer or you need a hug or what, whatever, you know what I mean? But we're cut from the same cloth. I will try to figure it out before I ask for help. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I can see Daryl being like that. Um, I heard the young man last week talking about how Daryl even helped out an Asian guy and his help yes. doesn't discriminate. His help does not discriminate, you know, and that's how we are. You know. Yes. But I'm, I'm grateful great that, that you're on and um you can share 
because you've been closer to my brother than I have in the last 33 years, you know? So I I'm, I feel good about that. Well, God willing, that'll change pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. so I believe uh, the day that they are reviewing uh, his packet is May 2nd, I believe. Um, and... Uh, so you know, obviously, I'm, I would imagine by now he has sent in his his letter, and and we want to um, also you, you know once again promote that other people that are listening that have heard his case that have vetted it themselves the best that they can. If it's in your heart, uh, if, if you feel that it would it makes sense, you, you, you know, what if it was you, somebody else that you knew. Uh, uh, you know, if if Daryl was a repeat, repeat, repeat offender, he, he probably would have been in for life without parole, you, you know, whether he deserved it or not, you know. But as far as if he was a repeat offender for other other things, you know. Uh, but I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'm not doing a good eloquent job of doing it, he was never in prison before, Um he is not responsible for the death of of this man, but yet he does know that he's culpable for being there and uh, for being the driver. And and we're just hoping that you too will um, you know send in that email, send in that uh, send in that uh, letter uh, to the governor as well, and and feel free to send me a copy. That's where I went off and I didn't follow through on that thought. Feel free to send me a copy. I've got a Facebook page oh, called God. Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed. Um, mm-hmm. Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed and messenger it to me because I am, you know, gathering. But the, the but the uh, oh, oh, it's ok. gov forward slash ppb pardon and parole board. Um, you know, uh, on the promotion you'll see his CF number and the information that you're supposed to share when you do. Uh, send in your letters, and they're very strict about it. Otherwise, they won't take it. You, if you send in a letter, you also have to put some information on the back of the envelope, too. Uh, Karen, mm-hmm. did you say that you were going to come right back, or did she step away? No, I emailed my letter in. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay, good. Uh, I'll give yeah. you a so, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. That's great. And you know, uh, and I believe what uh, Sarah Washington had to say was um, was very smart because you know you want to you want to follow you know that's the thing you want to go through the hierarchy. You need to go through the hierarchy. If you don't ask, if you don't document, then all it is is hearsay. If there's one person that says they're speaking for everybody, you kind of have to prove it, right? <laughs> so. So, you know, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, J.R. Washington had to sign off. He got his second shot today. He messaged me, and he's just not feeling too good. So, <laughs> you know, I appreciate the fact that it took the time to come on and uh, and speak so eloquently with us. Uh, and that's what we need more Yes, yeah, so I really know. appreciate that. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah. So the vision, 
the vision, the Oklahoma Pardon Parole Board vision, okay, envisions a, par- a parole and pardon system that promotes and utilizes fair and equitable decision-making, reduces risk to public, includes victims' concerns, and encourages successful inmate reentry. Can we all say that's great? We agree with that, correct? Yes, I agree with that. So so that's the vision. And, you know, and again, you know, for the successful inmate reentry, we need to do better with rehabilitation, you know? Mm-hmm. There was something Mr. Washington said that really struck a chord about contacting the governor's office. When I went up for parole, and the time I made it immediately after I had been passed the second stage and they agreed to my parole. Someone that I barely knew that was in one of the programs that we were in went and made an appointment with the governor to speak on my behalf. And that pretty much solidified it. You know, if people will speak up, like Mr. Washington said, let them know that you would not have a problem with Daryl Wiggins being your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have a problem running into Daryl Wiggins in the grocery store at AutoZone, you know, at the fair or football game. And I think that that's what would be important because people change over time. Daryl Wiggins has changed for the greatest good that he could change to. He really has, and I believe that this is his time to have his second chance at night. You know, in a perfect world, they would go in and commute his sentence to time served and just let him go Right. because he never had witnesses. He never got a chance to, to, to show anything. They just took that he was from Los Angeles, said that he was – participating in gang membership or something because he was from Los Angeles and well, made and, him and the, the scapegoat And the gang the violence people. was was very high at the time, is my understanding, too. So it is, is, that, is that correct, Karen? You yes. Know? Yes. yes. That, that is yeah. correct. Uh, so hasty, quick, satisfy the public so they're not afraid, yep. you know, those kinds Let's of things. Yep. Yes. I just pray that he gets an opportunity I believe he deserves to finish his life being prosperous and productive in society, giving back to those in need because he has a lot to give. I've benefited from a lot of it, and I'm older than he is. But there were times that he was the stable one that said, hey, bro, don't do that. That don't work. Yeah. And then laugh. So you grown, do what you want to do. And I have to go think about it and come back and say, you know, you're right, bro. You're right. Thank you for taking the time up, you know, to speak to me and, 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 and show your true care and concern. And I want to see him bring that out here because, they, like you said, they really need it out here. We live in a twisted world. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I was sitting up here, you know, I am grateful of the verdict today, but I'm saddened at the fact that people take joy in equality because this guy was convicted. It should have just been a run-of-the-mill thing. Everybody's seen it. Right. It shouldn't be the exception but, to the rule. Yeah, it shouldn't be the exception to the rule. And I will agree, too, that what this guy was convicted of today comes nowhere close to what Daryl participated in. Nowhere close. No. Nowhere close. Yet he's been there long enough, as you say, to serve the maximum sentence that they would give the guy that was found guilty today. And there I just were pray. No, there was no defense. For, no defense, yeah. no I, witness calling. He didn't try I, to I, do I, nothing. Yeah. I know um, different states have different laws, but I, I worked about 10 minutes from John Hinckley, who was accused, who, who not accused, but shot Dr. President Reagan. Yes. I worked 20 minutes from him where he lives, and he's out walking free, working at the grocery store. No way. <laughs> he's been out for several years now. Okay. Yes. And I say and that Daryl's case, it just doesn't, it doesn't compare. You know, he, he was incarcerated during a time where the public had to be satisfied. Oh, here's another gang member. Let's sweep them up. Let's get them all off the streets. We're doing a real good job. But in the same time, you're sending people to prison and people are covering up evidence. You know, I won't mm-hmm. say the name, but, you know, there was there was a lot going on in Oklahoma City during that time that mm-hmm. a lot of people – they have forgotten about or need to do go back and do the research like my like I myself had to go back and do. Mm-hmm. I believe you know, Joyce Gilchrist are... testified. Yes. yes, that's what I'm talking and about. And her testimony so, is known to be false and faulty. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's yeah. I mean, she's passed, but she, her legacy is her is her corruption and how many people she exactly. put behind bars. Uh, uh, based on perjury and tampered evidence. Yes. Bob Macy. And I'm not saying that that it takes away from from Daryl's culpability, but he's been there long enough now. He's been there long enough. Mm -hmm. And I believe God's going to release him. I believe that. I have a good feeling, too. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I Uh, believe that. my my biggest fear is you, you know I, I mean if, if if they ask him do you think that they're going to do a um a, uh, a like a Skype or a, or or a face to face I mean you know these days I'm not exactly sure probably Skype I think mm-hmm. they do it on Zoom okay okay and when 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 so you many went people. it was in person right. No, I never got to go. My record was so bad, I couldn't go. My past record was so bad, I wasn't even allowed to appear before the parole board. But somebody that I knew as a child went and spoke up for me, and then someone I met in prison doing the programs went and made an appointment with the governor 
and personally went and spoke to her. And so you've been out now uh, uh, fairly recent because Sid has only been there a couple years now. Yes. I've been out eight years now. Wait a minute, but it wasn't Sid that was the governor then. No, it was uh, Henry. Fallon, Mary Fallon. And Mary Fallon signed it. Wow. She was the lieutenant governor when she signed it. But it was under uh, Henry, and Mary Fanlon signed the parole. I think he was in Japan or something that weekend. Okay. Wow. But, you know, know, like the guy Mr. Washington was saying, it's like you've got these people in here, and you have so many people that really the parole board doesn't have the time to give uh, uh, attention to everybody that goes up. It's like a rubber stamp thing. But I believe that he has enough exposure to where they might take the five minutes out away from 15 other people to actually sit down and look at not only his accomplishments but his case and to understand that maybe this guy was overcharged in the first place and Mm -hmm. allow him to go earn his release because that's all. It doesn't matter if he's on parole or just release clear. He's going to do the right thing anyway. Right. So, yeah, he's going to do the right thing anyway. So he just needs to be free. He just needs to be free. You know, and and there's, you know, we've got – I mean, there's other injustices that genuinely need to be addressed there in Oklahoma. You know, we've got Richard Glossop. We've got Julius Jones. We've got, you know, uh, Daryl Holtzclaw, and I know that case very, very well. And he's a a police officer, and, and oh, boy, you know, it's – there was no justice in that case. Um, But – and everybody can have their own opinion towards it, but I know many people that have had opinions and it t- completely turned around when they got to really know the case. Um, right. You know, the, the darn Oklahoma uh, City police officers did it to did it to him. You know, <laughs> he wasn't one of the good old boys. Um, and, and I've seen in Oklahoma just, that a guy get a life sentence, and when he gets to to the reception center, right. The judge issues an order for his life sentence to be suspended, and they release him. Hmm. I've actually wow. seen that one before. Life, life suspended. suspended. And is that wow. for a police officer? Is that what you're referring to now? Because it sort of no, happens to about... Daryl. You're just saying in general, somebody who obviously in general. had the connection. Yep. You know, if it's it, Oklahoma was the good old boy system. I hate to put it that way. Oh, no, But if you is. know you someone so right. and somebody knows you and you know somebody else, okay, well, I'll look into it. You know what I mean? It often mm-hmm. takes that for someone to actually sit down and look into it. In my personal case, uh, one of my cousins heard I was going up for parole, 
and she had worked for the juvenile justice system in Oklahoma, and she just went mm-hmm. up to the parole board. And the way I understand it, most of their conversation was about, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, hmm. you got the same last name? Yeah, we'll let real release it. Anyway, how's your mother doing? Hmm. It was one of them kind of deals. You know, because, wow. I mean, I understand hmm. that they have a lot of responsibility in the decisions that they make. I get mm-hmm. that. But you can't put everybody in the same basket. Right. You know what I mean? You can't do that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? My dad used to tell me what somebody eats won't go in your stomach. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is that when you have people like Daryl, who's been there long enough, if they had to just sentenced him like everybody else, He'd have been long gone. Mm-hmm. He'd had his life together. He'd been happy and able to go wherever. But they gave him the life, and I felt that the whole thing was really prejudicial against Daryl. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole thing, because he, like she said, you have gang members, you have crime, and then you have someone mm-hmm. that that used that was born in Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden, we got another one. And mm-hmm. I know of about 10 people that is almost similarly situated during that same time period with Bob Mason and Joyce Gilchrist. Then they just mm-hmm. made them guilty at the maximum amount of guilt that could legally be had. And, and the, most and of those cases of those didn't want that. Four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a lot well, to do with who you are or who mm-hmm. they say you are. Mm-hmm. I know a well-known so I, I just looked at some notes. And so the, the jacket review is the first one. It's the first yes. step. But, but, it's, but I'm not sure if the jacket always even gets opened. They just look at the time and the crime. And, you know, I've been told a lot they didn't even open the jacket. Um, Now, whether that's correct or not, I don't know. And I'm not saying that your brother has told me that. Um, I'm just saying in general. And then if it gets past the first, that first step, like Julius Jones just succeeded in. And, again, you get that, you get in the public. You get people to hear about it, hear about it, and rally for you. And, you know, when they get to it, the more people that know um, you know, this is this is important. Uh, so mm-hmm. after that is the second in person. Uh, when yes. you pass that, then that's when it goes to uh, the governor's office to approve. You so know what happens in the first hearing? That's when the district attorneys come together to protest the parole, and that's a mitigating factor on whether or not they get to the second stage. Mm-hmm. And they're the only ones allowed to speak. You know, they can come in and and and, and protest, or we don't think he should be released. Mm-hmm. And to me, that doesn't make any sense because if their sentence was um, with parole, then from that point on, you know, it should be the behavior. What have they done with themselves? Yes, and, and you know good time, you, you know, because if they've reached the point where they can ask for parole, 
don't the prosecutors have something else they can be doing? You know, well, why see, would there's they another factor. That? There's another factor. The state of Oklahoma, through the Department of Corrections, pay private prisons X amount of dollars to house them every day they're living. So you multiply wow. that times 3,000 and then mm-hmm. and just keep them in, and the money keeps coming. The money keeps right. coming. The money keeps mm-hmm. coming. They called it money on the hoof wow. in private prison. You're, you're actually just a piece of, you're like a cow. You're a cow. And as long as you, every morning you wake up, you're $65 or whatever it is now, the Department of Correction play, pays that private prison. Mm-hmm. And the private prison has no vested interest in really letting people go because this is how mm-hmm. they make their living. Honey. Mm-hmm. That makes it's sense. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they've, they've closed down a couple in Oklahoma, and they're getting to that point where, where you know, they're trying to do, to do that. And uh, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, but still, the ones that aren't private prisons are, you know, that's a huge issue in itself. I mean, look at that money and then look at what you get fed when you're an inmate. You know, why are they freezing? You know, why are there puddles in their cell that are frozen in the winter? Why are, you know, why are they, like, having a hard time breathing in the summer? You know, and the, and Why does the 18 inches of sewage back up in the cell? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And these are common issues. Common Common. issues. Oh, so, so common. I I can't tell you how many photos I've seen and video and and things like that. And I'll see, you know, and, and, you know, these, these guys are not allowed to complain. They get, they, you know, they will be retaliated against if they do. So, so how is somebody supposed to have their civil rights protected? And they do have civil rights, even though they're behind bars. They're a little different than ours out here. But how are they supposed to be protected unless there's a way to ask for them to be? You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a yeah, hard, hard life. And to maintain well, that composure under those conditions. The um, DOC will tell you you have no rights other than what I give you. Yeah. That's what the staff will tell you. Any rights you mm-hmm. have is what we give you, mm-hmm. and I don't have to give you any. And to survive through that and still have a positive mental attitude mm-hmm. is a and great accomplishment. And this is where the reform is needed There's because they're trained mm-hmm. wrong. That's not correct. You know, that's not the right way. To, to do things, you sure you have to maintain control, you have to, you, you know, and all, and all that stuff. But if they're taught uh, these things, you know, once again, that book, Correcting Treatment in Correction, it, to me, it is the Bible of how to get it done. It, it just, it's like a, a, a no-brainer. And, mm-hmm. but, to, to, but to be degraded, to be, in some cases, physically abused, to be uh, the one that receives contraband because the corrections officers are the ones that are bringing it in and making a dime off of it, you know, and that's majority-wise, um, then then there's, you know, it, what is is a pipeline of failure. 
And so when you've got a Daryl Wiggins that figured it out, when you've got a Ricky Oscar Williams that figured it out, you know, we want to multiply those successes because people deserve those successes if they deserve it. <laughs> you know, um, it's and some people are just kept behind bars because if they're not the truth, they'll be told. You know, the corruption. Um, it's a tough life. It's a tough life. It's a, it's a tough life, yeah. And I'm I, how who am I to speak, uh, Ricky? I guess you, you you know. Thank you for speaking on it. But even the jacket, somebody just sent me some information who used to be in prison, uh, but finally got out. Uh, usually, it's a just a no with the jacket. They don't even open the jacket. So just no. getting that packet opened is that correct, Ricky? Yes, yes. You if you watch it, they do them live on Zoom. And you'll see the district attorney. Well, I protest. I protest Joe Thompson. I protest this guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, because they come when the district attorneys come in. Oklahoma County has its own time. Muskogee County, Tulsa County, whatever county, and they go down the list. Well, I want to protest this one, this one, this one, this one. And usually, if the district attorney protests it, that's the no vote. That's so how the have, no vote have you comes ever in. seen when a district attorney um, protested and then go against the no vote? A few times, yes, I have. Okay, that's good. I have, yes, I have. In fact, when I went up, Drew Edmondson was the prosecuting attorney, and uh, he had became attorney general of the state of Oklahoma. And I wrote him a letter and asked him, do you think that I'm, I've been here long enough now, you know, to where I've earned the right to have another chance? And he responded, I'm not surprised to learn that you're still in prison, which was kind of mm-hmm. like a very unprofessional statement. Mm-hmm. And I got some help from some people, and he never really pushed the issue because there was a new district attorney, and my case was kind of old by then, like 17, 18 years then. It was kind of old. But, yes, it happens. It happens. And the thing is is that there used to be what they called a mediation where the victim would, I mean, the victim's family and the perpetrator would get together and have a discussion about what happened so the family could get closure. And then these people would determine whether or not they thought maybe he should get another chance. But they Mm -hmm. don't do any programs like that anymore. Mm. They don't do that. It's like if we keep them in as long as we can, we can still get paid. Half of DOC's budget was going to private prisons at one time. Mm. I spent almost 10 years in a private prison. Texas, Oklahoma. I've been to Lawton. Yeah, that that was Lawton because that's a private prison, right? Yes. Sarah's a private prison. Uh, Cushing's closed down. I think Holdenville is a private prison. And at one point in time, almost half of Oklahoma's prisoners were in a private prison. I made a trip to Texas 
1996 for two years. Okay. Because there's money, you know, then Governor uh, Keating, his wife owned shares in CCA and Wackenhut, so mm-hmm. they made money by people keeping people in longer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hate to use the, like the race car, but it's like slavery 2.0. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As long as we got you, we make money off of you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do nothing but wake up the next day and we made more money. If you, mm-hmm. uh, what was Passive it? Passive uh, Yeah, uh, Lawton used to bring in, what was it? I want to say maybe $4 million a month. Or four million oh a year, I forget exactly, but it it was a big number because you got you getting sixty five dollars a day, you got three thousand inmates. That's three thousand times sixty five dollars every day, every day, every day. And there's the you're in floor, and you're out. And the food is, if you want to call it food. Um, yeah. You know, I want to venture out. You know, one of the things that made me and Daryl real close is that I ate a religious diet, and I was stubborn. And they would try to make me eat certain foods that I wasn't going to eat. And he finally said, man, look, I'll give you some food to eat because I wasn't going to go eat it. I just wasn't. I'm not going to, you know, go put myself through that to where I have to eat something that I don't really – spiritually believe I should eat and then still stay here and have a good attitude. He mm-hmm. fed me when I was hungry. He gave me shoes when I didn't have any because I never had any money. You know, that's like I'm very grateful that his sister called because I know wow. what it's like not to talk to my sister for 25 years at all. But we became, that's the first person I run into when I was released on accident. And we were able to repair our relationship and our past. You know, because some people hold on to things that happened in 1975 and 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, some people still hold that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just grateful because Daryl Wiggins is someone very important to me, important enough to me that I thought enough to call his mother and try to encourage her to do that for him because everybody loves the mother mm-hmm. and I tell her so. how he helped me and how he helped mm-hmm. me, you know, get to where I got. And I'm just trying to, you know, give back because I know So it's it. my understanding that, you know, cause I, I, I just looked back at some other notes and and in, in Daryl's case, like there was like the, the family of the man that died, they they never protested Daryl's release, Mm-mm. and so that should hold some weight, I would think. It would. It should. If they were there in court, they knew what you know. What the deal was, as far as as much as they would be let know, but they never protested mm-hmm. it. Mhm. So hopefully, 
he will now get his opportunity to be the man I know him to be and help others and do good for other people and have meaning and purpose to his life. That's my prayer. Okay. And we we correspond regularly. And I had wrote him and told him that, you know, I went came to uh, San Francisco and I got in a program for a post-incarceration syndrome because this world is not the same as being incarcerated. At least incarcerated, a liar is a liar and a thief is a thief. But out here, you don't know who anybody is. And most people who have been incarcerated long periods of time, you know, can't adjust. And he was one of the people that, that told me, hey, man, when you get out, you can't be acting like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it to heart, and I went and got counseling and therapy, and I think he understands that because that's what I want to promote. Everybody that's been incarcerated, I don't care if it's a day, one year, ten years, whatever, post-incarceration syndrome is a form of post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. and the end result of it is relapse. You know, you just give up, throw in the towel. Okay, well, I know what, what, what's going on in prison. I'll just go back. That's what the recidivism aspect that uh, you were speaking of it about. People don't get up in the morning and say, well, I'm just going to go commit a crime. I'm going to go do evil. No, most people aren't like that. Wow. Yeah. No, so I... I, I bet Kathy that you can Kelly I'm sorry uh, that you can add a, quite a bit to that given that you've got your masters and the counseling and whatnot. Yeah, so um, all all of your points are um, very um, profound, especially when it talks when you were just mentioning about the recidivism. Um, you know, it's it's just like. When you when we go to combat, you know, even being over in Iraq for a year, when you come back, you have to decompress, you know. And if you don't decompress, you can carry all of that around for years. And we've seen that in the newspaper and um, on, on the news where, oh, that person had PTSD. So PTSD is not only through, it's any traumatic event, three years of being in prison, that that's you know, very traumatic, you know. Um, so yes, your mind your 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 mind has to change, you know, do some change and of course we don't have a lot of programs out here that will help uh past prisoners. You know, how do you deal with uh there's a lot of the world has changed in thirty three years. You know, you think back to 33 years, we weren't using cell phones. We had the big block phones. We weren't using um, Internet. We still had typewriters. I remember still having a typewriter, you know. So the world has changed uh, has changed tremendously. And um, I, I, I get that, you know. There, there's some counseling and some things that have to take place in order and, 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 and – for, you know, 
a person to reform, fully reform, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not reforming them in prison because they want the, um, want want that money over that head. However, if he's in prison and he's doing all the things that you say he's doing and he's writing to us and we can tell in his, his writings and everything that, you know, you change you change a lot, you know? A lot. He and changed his position a lot. has never wavered as far as what's happened to him, and, and you know, and uh, you, you know, you don't hear these conflicts or contradictions. It's just unwavering. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I just from talking with Leslie, Leslie was on uh, several times, and she's just too sick now, uh, right now. But uh, I, I it, it's just. You know, because this is one of the things that she said on the show. She said, I never would have married him if he was the man that, you know, that everybody says he's been made out to be or that they thought he was. And even that what he was, because he was still, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd and whatnot. She said, I never would have married him if he was that person, you know. Mm-hmm. So... There's just so much to attest to, and and you know it it, it does sound as though you know he he's definitely ready for the next step. Thank thank goodness. But overall, yes, prison reform. You know, reform needs to be done, and that's in that big picture. And you know, and then we can talk about conviction integrity units. You know, to begin with, too. You know, but we're beyond that with Daryl. So right now, we want Daryl home. We want Daryl being Daryl, you know, where you can step outside and breathe the fresh air and, and love your wife and love your family and, and help kids and, and go to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely know that, you know, as far as from my perspective goes, I'm glad I haven't written my letter yet. And and I, I I have you know a couple more things that I want to you know add to what I was thinking about writing, and and so uh, let's make a request, you guys. Let's make the request uh, before we close down, uh, at, at, you know, for the night because we're we are going to run out of time fairly soon. Uh, what are your requests, you know, to those that are listening that they do? Um, on behalf of Daryl Wiggins, I I would like to request that um, you know, out of um sheer sincerity, that everyone um look at the amount of time that he spent spent um in prison, um, based on the conversations that we've had tonight and on a couple of shows that have been um, run before and write letters, you know, write your letters, write to the governor. You have questions, you can um, reach out to me. I am on Facebook, Karen Small. Um, Just look inside their heart and look at what's happening. Daryl is not the only case out there like this. Um, There's several no, he's not. Do, do your homework 
and read about at the time in 1988 what was going on in Oklahoma City when it came to um, people supposedly affiliated with gang members and Bob Macy and Joyce Gilcrash because Mm -hmm. I too had to. So that's what I'm asking. See, I believe every case involving them should be investigated. Mm-hmm. Every every case should have been reinvestigated, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. of how much they tarnished and how many lives they hurt. Right. And the sad part is, after she was fired, she sued and won won a pension and won and moved to Texas. Yes. Where she That's later that died. That's good old boy yep. system. Mm-hmm. So she really I couldn't believe it when you, you said that um, last time. I That I did not know about her. That, yes. So you know, it's on. like, you know, you ever, you ever hear of, uh, you, know, you know, the stories when a robber uh, is trying to break into your house from the roof and they fall through the roof and break their legs and sue the homeowner. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because they broke yeah. their leg robbing the homeowner. It's kind of like she sued the state and got her pension. That's crazy. Yes, it is. And they mm-hmm. knew all the damage she had did. And that was just mm-hmm. to keep her quiet. Mm-hmm. Just to keep her quiet. Because there's several more in that same time period with about five in the same facility he's in. Been there almost the same amount of time and the situations are so similar. They never intended to take a life, but every one of these guys, their charge went straight to murder one. Oh, I needed to uh-huh. tell you, too, that he was never charged with second degree. It was always first degree murder. Girl. Huh. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it was always first degree. It was always first degree. And I'm not going to throw the race card out, but you do the math and look at the statistics during that time period. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. He just needs, this is his time. I believe God kept me alive this long just to give back to him because he can give back to more. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Because we used to, we used to, we probably had 10 conversations in four years, but every one of them was serious conversations. And I remember the morning before I left prison, I went to his job in the laundry and we made prayer and we had a conversation and he said, don't forget me. And I say, how can I? I'll never forget you. Because he's a good guy. We all made mistakes. We've got things we're ashamed of. But God is a merciful God. Mm-hmm. He don't hold it against us like people do. And I believe mm-hmm. this time that someone is listening to this program that has authority will say, I think the guy needs to be released. And I'm looking forward to buying him that steak dinner I promised him 
20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. The letter that has been written to the pardon and parole board on behalf of himself. I am privileged enough to have it in my possession. So for anybody who wants to know the the case number and, you know, whatnot, you know, listen to this again. If you don't have a pen or paper and and if you don't, and if you're not, doing the uh, live stream, okay, or message me and I'll give it to you. Message me in uh, Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed um, uh, Messenger and I will I'll provide this for you, okay, but it's Daryl Wiggins number 155255. Docket May 2021. CRF88- Three nine six five, And so this is his letter. Dear pardon and parole board members, thank you in advance. Thank you in advance for your time in reading my letter. I am the oldest. Oh, this is yours, Karen. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I've got, okay, but I also have, goodness gracious, I also have, so would you like to read that? And then after I read the one that he wrote, I have yours as well. You want me to read mine? Why don't you read yours first, and if, if you're okay with it, and then I will read his, because I happen to have his in my possession as well. Okay. Um, let me Put my glasses on. Okay. I'm so sorry. Oh, already glasses on. Believe me, I know. I get that. <laughs> yeah, she's already given the docket number and his number, 155255. I will never forget that number. Um, that's been him, who he has been for the last 33 years. I will never forget it. So it reads, thank you in advance for your time in reading my letter. I'm the, el- the oldest sister of Daryl L. Wiggins, number 155255. I'm writing to you as a person who has never received so much as a traffic violation. However, I do believe in the judicial system and the intent. I first apologize to the deceased, Mr. Watley family members, friends, and loved ones for for a life. Mr. Watley's life matters. As far as my brother Daryl, I apologize to him as well, not knowing and understanding he was a lost child in a grown man's body trying to navigate through life without any direction. Yes, Daryl admittedly had some responsibility in the events that happened June 7, 1988. Daryl has never denied and agrees that he should have been punished. However, the last 33, 34 years, Daryl has repeatedly shown remorse and asked for forgiveness, especially to Mr. Watley's family as well as his own. Both families were impacted that day. There are no words that could bring Mr. Watley back, and Daryl is remorseful and apologetic for his involvement. During this tragic course of events, I was focused on a military career to serve my country, in which I did for 23 consecutive years, serving all over the country with three tours to Iraq. 
while away, I kept in contact with Daryl, and I can say I believe him to be a changed man. When Daryl entered the judicial system, he was an angry boy, hadn't developed into a man, angry at himself because of the choice he made, that horrible death, angry because he let his family down, angry that he caused Mr. Watley's family hurt, and and angry at the justice system because he believed he wasn't granted the same fairness as the other defendants in his case. However, Daryl put aside his anger and began to do the necessary work to become a better person instead of a bitter person. He did this by obtaining his general education, taking anger management classes, looking at life and respecting himself first, and since incarcerating, helping others. To my surprise, he wrote encouraging letters to me while I was in Iraq, telling me not to lose hope and keep the faith, which we were heartfelt, which were very heartfelt and meaning while serving in such extreme conditions. Mr. Watley was someone's son, brother, and family member. Yes, his life mattered. I heard for his family and wish they would find it in their heart to forgive Daryl. I also asked the partner and parole board to look closely at the 33 years for the time Daryl has served. The cause of Mr. Watley's death doesn't negate the fact that Mr. Watley died and someone had to be held responsible. Again, Daryl is remorseful, sorrowful, and apologetic for the events that transpired that day. He often writes and says it's not a day that goes by that he doesn't rewind the tape in his head about the events that happened on June 7, 1988, and wish he could have changed the outcome. Daryl has married since... He has been incarcerated and has had quadruple bypass surgery. His wife, Leslie, and the family have supported him the last years. If you can find it in your heart and believe in a second chance, Daryl has a home with his wife awaiting, a job, and hopefully a second chance of life as a productive citizen in which he and the community benefit. Thank you for your time and consideration. For what you do on a daily basis, as I can only imagine the lack of sleep you get involved in these types of decisions. If the truth mm-hmm. be told, we are all one bad decision from a life-changing moment, something I learned in the military and throughout my 55 years of living. An accident is stomping your toe. Hitting your toe with a hammer on purpose is a bad, poor decision. I believe Daryl has learned from his decisions made or not made on that fateful day I ask and plead with you to please forgive him and afford him the opportunity of a second chance. God bless, Karen Renee Small. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that's very that just lends so much perspective too and you know and uh, it, you know you made those points you know the hammer on purpose versus stubbing the toe by accident and yeah that's wow I, I, I'm, I'm in awe I'm in absolute awe um, of how yeah but it is it's beautiful it's true it's true Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to read uh, Daryl's. We're almost out of time. Um, I'm going to leave the captions out. Dear pardon and parole board members, in advance 
I would like to thank you for your time and op the opportunity to speak with you regarding my request for granting me parole. When I woke up on the morning of June 7, 1988, I never dreamed that my actions that day would contribute to the death of another human being. The victim in my case, Mr. Jewel Watley, died from hypothermia, commonly known as heat stroke. If life had review, if life had a rewind or a redo button, I would go back to that day and change my actions drastically. Through my years of growth and spiritual development, I'm now able to find the words to express my remorse and sorrow to his family. It is my hope that after my three-plus decades in prison, that Mr. Watley's family could find it in their hearts to forgive me. If I'm blessed to be granted parole, I will be living with my wife, Leslie Wiggins, and my father-in-law, Donald Daniels, in Lake Eufaula, Oklahoma. I have a job with Quintanilla Medical, uh, Metal Roof Leak Repair uh, waiting for me. Upon reentry, we plan as a family unit to attend counseling sessions as well as my own private counseling sessions to include regular NA and, N and AA meetings to help with reintegration into society. And then he names where he would be going to. I don't need to mention that. Since my incarceration, I've received extensive training in several programs. See attachment A for the list or of completed programs. Now, I shared all that last. Uh, the last program we did here, um, and that I still and will play a large role in the changes within myself and my thinking, in particular through the Victims Impact class. I've learned, I've learned that it is a necessity to make amends for your actions. If given the opportunity, I'll do that and more. I'm highly motivated to continue on, knowing uh, that I could possibly assist others from my experience of being incarcerated and show young people the right way to do things. In closing, I ask that you take into consideration that I was 20 years old when this happened and the length of time, 33 years, that I have now been, that I've now been incarcerated. I also recently had open heart surgery and quadruple bypass in September 15, 2020, which is now uh, contributing to my declining health. I humbly apologize, pray for, for forgiveness from my victim's family, the state of Oklahoma, as well as from this board. I'm asking for a second chance in which I'm sure that I will not reoffend. If given the opportunity, I know that I will affect people's lives in a positive manner by telling my story in truth from start to finish to all that will listen. God bless you, and thank you for your time. Sincerely, Daryl Wiggins, number 155255. Um, it's time to close up now, because uh, uh, we've got like not, not even uh, 60 seconds left. Uh, I want to thank you, Ricky, for coming on again. I want to thank J.R. Washington for, for calling in. Looking forward to having him on again. And my goodness. Thank uh, you. Karen, uh, I just want to thank you. you so much, and I hope that we can 
have you on again and uh and that we can rejoice uh in the success of a of a pardon uh and uh and continue to navigate uh whatever's wrong that can be made right and help reform and uh I just want to say God bless you and your family. Thank you. Uh thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh thank you uh Thank you. Anytime. Anytime. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's PS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. Tune back in on this Sunday as we continue making what's wrong right. And, uh, and we're looking forward to sharing more success stories as well. Good night and God bless. Good night. Good night.